can just imagine what the look on his face must have been. It makes me happy just to think about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I saw all of his teeth. All of his teeth. <laughs> Well, um, one of the things I have learned um, in the last several weeks is that uh, Commissioner Glass can only be fired for cause. Mm. Um, and I believe there is a lot of cause uh, <laughs> with, you know, having four riots in our jails uh, since December. I'm Sarah Fenske. This is St. Louis on the Air. Tuesday was a historic day in St. Louis. The city elected its first ever black female mayor, city treasurer Tashara Jones. But Jones has no time to bask in that historic victory. She takes office in less than two weeks. And that's one reason we're so grateful she's made time to join us today. So mayor-elect Tashara Jones, congratulations and welcome to the show. Yes, thank you for having me, Sarah. So good to talk to you. So you came so close to winning four years ago. Did this campaign feel different when you were in the middle of it? Uh, Yes, it did feel different um, because, uh, you know, losing by 888 votes, I think, also makes you more determined to win the next time. So Mm -hmm. you are, you know, checking off all of the boxes, crossing all of the T's, dotting all of the I's, knocking on all of the doors, making all of the phone calls and getting everybody you can to help you do that. Um, And we saw a very diverse, multi-ethnic, multi-racial coalition really ready to uh, to help and also uh, ready uh, to uh, elect its first black woman mayor. So I am honored and humbled uh, that St. Louisans have chosen me and trust me to lead them into the 21st century. So I have to ask, Tuesday night, so many of us kept refreshing and refreshing, trying to figure (laughs) out when that final dump was going to be there. When did you realize that you'd won? Um, So I was with my my team and my dad and... um, so we also got a phone call before the final dump. Oh, okay. <laughs> so the Board of Elections sort of tipped you off, or did you have somebody down there watching? We we had someone down there watching. Okay. So we got, yeah, we had a, a but it wasn't, it was maybe 30 seconds before everybody else knew. So, oh, okay. you know, it wasn't like, you know, minutes and minutes before. It was literally, I I received a note from uh, from a friend who was watching, and then, all of a sudden, I heard a whole eruption outside. I'm like, oh, my God, they must know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's that quick. I mean, you barely had a moment yeah. to even process that news. Barely had a moment to process, yes. Now, your dad, Vervis Jones, he's been such a presence throughout this campaign. We all know he's your number one fan. Um, what was that like for him to get that news? Oh, my God. It was amazing. He's he's so proud of not just me, but I have two younger sisters as well. And he prides himself on raising three strong and smart daughters. Mm-hmm. And um, and we've done just about, you know, everything that we've set out to do. Um, and he's just so proud to just to be there to to support us in everything that we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can just imagine what the look on his face must have been. It makes me happy just to think about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I saw all of his teeth, all of his teeth. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, so that's the exciting moment on Tuesday night. But I imagine it did not take long then for reality to sink in. The reality being that at that point, the clock was already ticking. You had less than two weeks to set up your administration. How terrifying is that to realize just how quickly you need to be set to go? 
Well, uh, you know, one of the things I talked about during the campaign is that we needed to uh, elect someone who's ready to lead on day one. And I have the executive experience of coming in uh, to uh, to an administration that needs help and, and fixing things that are broken, so, as I did with the treasurer's office. I transformed two departments and created a third. And so uh, I felt I, I still feel ready. Um, you know, there's going to be obviously a steep learning curve because being on the county side is a little different than being on the municipal side. And mm -hmm. uh, there are a lot more employees than I currently have as treasurer. But um, but I do have the executive experience, not just in, in local government, but also in the private sector uh, to be able to uh, to hit the ground running. So you've got about 40 people you'll need to appoint. I'm, I'm curious if you began sketching things out before the election or if you were worried about jinxing it if you got too far ahead. Oh, no, we started sketching things out. I mean, you know, it's never too, you know, we always have to be prepared. Right. And And we weren't looking at, you know, sketching things out as, you know, trying to jinx things. Um, but uh, it's like uh, one of the uh, one of the phrases that my chief of staff always uses is uses is stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Mm. And, and I imagine that mm -hmm. it, that explains why that chief of staff is coming over to be your chief of staff in the mayor's <laughs> office. That's that's Jared Boyd. Yes, absolutely. Jared Boyd has been a, a great chief of staff to me as treasurer. And, you know, like my mama always says, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> <laughs> so he's coming with you. Of those other appointments you have to make, are, are you beginning to figure that out? Uh, well, what's the rollout of that going to look like? Um, so we put up a transition uh, website uh, on my current uh, mayor's website, which is Tashara, the number four mayor dot com. If you go to that website, you'll see uh, a button that says transition and you'll see our transition team uh, as well as the job openings. And so we are um, scheduling interviews with all of the department heads uh, and all of the uh, current staff. We had a brief meeting with the mayor yesterday just to kind of outline our process. Um, and we will uh, take this process, day, you know, day by day and, and one day at a time. Hmm. Were there any big surprises in that meeting with Mayor Cruson yesterday, something that maybe you hadn't anticipated that you're now going to have to deal with? No, 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 not at all. So the not meeting meeting went well? Meeting went very well. Just got a, you know, brief update on, you know, what current projects that uh, she's working on. And uh, so we don't drop any balls. Mm -hmm. um, and then we'll, we, we will be in continual conversation uh, going forward as well. And, and we've had a couple of, well, my chief of staff has had a couple of conversations um, with some of her staff prior to winning as well. They've made their self, themselves very available uh, to us and to also to Kara Spencer, just to make sure that, you know, whoever won uh, had some sort of baseline. Hmm. So one of the biggest issues you're going to have to deal with right out of the gate, this involves corrections. Um, as we talked about yesterday on our show, um, there was more unrest at the City Justice Center on Sunday. And that, of course, followed the very high profile riot that happened there on February 6th. And the Reverend Daryl Gray, who I know you know well, um, he mm -hmm. is the chair of the city's corrections task force. When he was on our show yesterday, he criticized senior management and he cited a real lack of urgency on the part of Corrections Commissioner Glass. Here's what he said yesterday on this show about Commissioner Glass. I, I made it clear the other day after Sunday that uh, the, the new mayor and now uh, uh, Mary Leck Jones is, has some big decisions to make and she can make them. She's going to have to select a new public safety director. Uh, and that public safety director, I think, 
should give Commissioner Glass two options, resign or be fired. And that is the Reverend Daryl Gray. Uh, Mayor-elect Jones, is, is this advice you plan to take? Well, um, one of the things I have learned um, in the last several weeks is that uh, Commissioner Glass can only be fired for cause. Mm. Um, and I believe there is a lot of cause uh, <laughs> with, you know, having four riots in our jails uh, since December. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you know, the, the way that I approach, you know, our corrections is, number one, you know, these jails were not built to hold people for uh, for the length of time that they're being held. Mm -hmm. And so we need to also engage our U.S. Attorney's Office because we have about 200 or so detainees for federal charges, as well as our state courts to see how we can start moving people through the process so we can uphold their constitutional rights. Mm -hmm. And we want to make sure uh, that uh, that everybody that's in there needs to be there. So if it's something that's nonviolent or a parole violation, uh, then let's look at alternative methods of uh, of uh, keeping track of people until their trial date uh, appears. Because we also have to recognize these people are pre-trial. Mm -hmm. uh, they have not uh, they have not yet had their day in court. So. Um, we uh, there are and, and we know that the courts have been bottlenecked due to COVID and there haven't been jury trials. Uh, but we really need to take a deep dive on who is actually there and do they really need to be there? Um, second thing is I want to make sure that we are treating all of our detainees uh, with dignity and respect. And I believe that, you know, Martin Luther King once said that the that riots are the uh are the voices of the unheard. Mm -hmm. And uh, obviously our detainees feel like that they are not being heard. And, and what can we do to improve conditions inside our facilities um, that, you know, I'm not talking about like yoga classes and, you know, and, mm -hmm. and massages, but, you know, how can we make sure that we, we are providing uh, a, a decent environment where they've been, they're being respected and treated with dignity? Reverend Gray talked about the need to have a, a more permanent type oversight committee. I, I know he's hoping that the committee that he's running could transition into that. Do you support that idea of having a committee specifically devoted to conditions uh, within the, the two city jails? I, I would definitely look into that, but let's back up a minute. We wouldn't have this task force if we were not, if, if, there, if the conditions were so bad. So how can we appoint leadership uh, of our corrections facilities to make sure that uh, a commission is not necessary? Uh, so how, are we, how can we make sure that, you know, that people, again, are being treated with dignity and respect and, and, the, and everything inside the facility is up to par and works. Uh, and we are far from that. Uh, so I, I do, I, I will definitely take a look at that. But, you know, we have to make sure that, that the facilities are working, that the locks are working, uh, that, you know, the temperatures are okay, that they have everything that they need. But again, we've got to move people through the system. Uh, as a daughter of someone who's been incarcerated myself, uh, I realize that these are people first. You know, th these are people's loved ones, and we need to treat them accordingly. Mm -hmm. 
So one of the big things that you're going to have to deal with as mayor um, is the Board of Aldermen. Uh, for better or for worse, they are there yes. and a partner in government. Now, progressives mm-hmm. uh, were able to, quote unquote, flip the board on Tuesday. It looks like they have a coalition um, th- that is enough to have a majority on that board. Do you think that's going to make it easier for you to get things done as mayor? I think it's going to be helpful, but one of the one of my other goals is to usher in a new era of collaboration and cooperation where the board feels engaged with the mayor's office, and that has not happened over the last four years. Uh, so I want to meet with the board on a regular basis, you know, obviously within the quorum uh, rules, uh, but let them know that they have a, a an ally in the mayor's office and that their voices are being heard and also develop an agenda. We do a lot of reactive um, legislation, but how can we be proactive uh, to uh, develop an agenda where everybody's needs are uh, felt like or feels like they're being heard uh, and work towards passing some really progressive legislation that's going to benefit everybody in the city and help all boats in the tide rise. So the president of that board, uh, Lewis Reed, he ran against you um, and was Mm -hmm. knocked out in the primary. Have you been able to talk to him since your election? Yes, absolutely. So Lewis and I have been friends like long before we became public servants mm-hmm. uh, when we worked in the private sector. And so we do this dance every time we run against each other. You know, we're, <laughs> you know, we will, you know, we'll fight in the ring and then afterwards we'll go grab a, a soda because Lewis doesn't uh, drink alcohol. I do. Uh, we'll go grab a soda and, and hash everything's out, everything out and press the reset button on our relationship. And so we've already done that. So you feel confident you guys can have that good working relationship going forward. Yes, absolutely. And and I come from, you know, the the um, the school of criticize privately and praise publicly. So if we have some problems, then we'll have to uh, again have a, have an opportunity to uh, speak privately about, uh, you know, what people are saying and, and hash those things out because I don't want to listen to rumors. If I hear a rumor, I would rather take it to him and, and make sure that it's true or false uh, and then uh, let, and move forward from there. Hmm. So this is all happening so fast. You move down the hall in just uh, now a week and a half. I got to ask, what are you most looking forward to as mayor? I am most looking forward to engaging with our children. Um, and and showing uh, uh, little girls and little boys uh, that you can be anything uh, and, and what leadership looks like. Uh, and and uh, because one of the things I'd love to do as treasurer was to read books uh, in, in our schools and, mm-hmm. and, and have conversations with our kids about what I do. Uh, and so I want to continue to do that as mayor, um, also continue to uh, lift up our financial empowerment programs as mayor and make those better and reach more people, uh, because I truly believe that um, nothing changes your life more than love or God or 100 point increase in your credit score. So how, <laughs> how can we increase credit scores across the city where, you know, where being uh, where, you know, your credit score d- determines everything that you do and how much you pay for everything. And so we want to develop uh, a 700 credit score city. And I look forward to working um, with uh, our financial partners to do so. Well, Mayor-elect Tashara Jones, we want to wish you the best of luck. And thank you again so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And feel free to call me anytime. I'll come back. We are going to take you up on that. (laughs) You can look forward to it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.
If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.